Nothing greater than that. You know what I really like? Is the predictions they make. You know, you start reading those or start watching those in the 1990s. They're talking about, by the year 2010, you're thinking, we do not have flying cars now. We know they're coming. Incidentally, the first flying car is scheduled to be sold next year. True. True. Flying cars, y'all. Right now, your government is meeting and discussing whether to tell you or what they know about unidentified flying Before we go much further, I want to put something out there. Some people will say, Pastor, do you believe in aliens and other planets? Well, no. I know there's some of you who disagree with me. Some of you get mad at me, but I want you to know something. I don't believe that. Not only do I don't believe that, I'm going to tell you why I don't believe it, because I believe the Word of God. See, the Word of God tells me that all of creation groans because of you. And if that be true, then all those, if there's other planets and green men and Martians out there, they are groaning under the sin that Adam committed. And I don't see that happening because there's no way that can tell you comfortable for what Adam did on Earth 50 billion light years away. <laughs> Might be even more than that. Might be less. Whatever the case may be, my point is this. We're not seeing things today. We're not seeing things out in the sky. We just go back to what we see. I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I think is true. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong. What matters is I'm going to stick to the Word of God. The Word of God is right. My Bible tells me that we battle not, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against powers in the air, spirits in the air, I believe. And we will start to see those spirits in the air. The closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the closer we get to the end time, the more we're going to see demonic activity. Just like the, when Jesus came the first time, they saw demons in the synagogues. They saw demons out in the street. They saw demons everywhere. And you know something? I think we're seeing it now. And I think we'll see more and more and more. It happened once. So you might want to get yourself ready. In the spirit of the church at Thessalonica, you might want to start getting your heart ready. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back and coming up soon. Not to get into the debate of when the church will be raptured, if the church gets raptured, does the church go through tribulation? I will say this. For those of us that think that pre-tribulation rapture happens, I think we're in for a shock. For those of us that think that post-tribulation happens, I think we're in for a blessing. For those of us that think differently, we might see something else. I think the Apostle Paul says something about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So, if you look through 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we have been given three principles to live by. Mind you now, the church of Thessalonians is afraid. Yeah, they're at the point where they're just about to board up windows, just about to pull in rations and food, saying, we miss the return of Jesus Christ. What are we going to do now? You know, have you seen those churches that are out there? Some of them are out there right now. And they're saying, quick, go out, get everything you can, hoard everything you can, get back. Let me tell you something right now. Don't get mad at me, but I want to tell you something right now. What you need is 
not bread alone, but the Word of God. That's what we need. That's what we need to hold on to. There's nothing wrong with being prepared. There's nothing wrong with looking for things in the future. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not getting into that. What I am saying, though, is these people took it to extreme. To the point where they were saying, I will barter. I will trade. I will hold back what I have. As Christians, we give when no one else has to give back to us. Think about that for a second. In fact, someone wants to ask me, Pastor, what do we do when they have nothing left to trade with? <laughs> Let me tell you something, Christian. Well, all we have is nothing. There's a lot to go around. Isn't it? There's a lot to go to the Here's the deal, though. Church of Thessalonica was afraid. They were mistaken. Paul writes in this letter and said, Hey, oh, this is a short period of time. Not only will that be a short period of time, he did talk to you about a few things. I love when he talked about He spoke to the church about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He thought it was that important that he talked to brand new Christians about that. You know what? I think we need to put that back to work in our lives. Jesus is returning, and he's returning soon, and you better get back to work. Somebody wants to talk to me about that. Says, oh, you preachers going out and winning souls, Josh. Hello? Good business. Church of Thessalonica. Society is rough. We must have missed it. Paul writes the letter. Says, guys, even if you hear an angel, even if you hear a rumor, even if you hear other preachers, you need to listen. In fact, he goes so far to assure them, he lets them know that when the return of Jesus Christ comes, the whole wide world is going to He says, there's going to be absolutely no doubt about it. You know it, you've read it. Some of you are very, very familiar with the return of Christ in the book of Thessalonians. Not just First Thessalonians, but Second Thessalonians as well. Some of you add it together with Matthew 24. Some of you add it together with Revelation, Zechariah, in the book of Ezekiel. Some of us go all over the place trying to connect the dots. How we think Jesus will return. The point is this. Paul says, nobody's going to miss this. You will know without a doubt. The problem is, is are you obedient to the voice of the Lord? If you're not obedient to God's voice right now, you're not going to be obedient when He calls us home. Gives us three principles to live by, though, in the meantime. As he reminds them, heart must be steadfast, faith must be sure, unity must be outdoing the will of God. So, he gives us three principles, and that's the title of tonight's message three principles to live by. There are three wonderfully interesting verses in this first chapter. He gives three thrilling principles to the Christian life. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, take hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in sight of God and our Father. Those are three principles we need to begin living by. That the Church of Thessalonica started living by. When they got this letter from the Apostle Paul, they ended up living these three principles. Now, some of us are wrapped up, like I said, in the some of us are wrapped up in prophecy. Some of us are wrapped up in some sort of interpretation. Deep down inside, what we need to do is to give by these three principles. 
Number one, are you ready? Look at me again in verse 3. Paul says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Your work of faith. I don't know about you. But there's a lot that happened when I became a person of faith. A lot of things changed in my life when I became a Christian. A lot of things changed for the better. That doesn't mean they were easy, though. I need you to understand that. Changing in Christ feels not easy. I know we watch the movies. I know we read Christian books. And as we read and look into those, we always think that Christian victory and Christian living is as easy as applying a new principle to your life. Wrong. When you apply a Christian principle to your life, when you apply the Word of God to your life, there's always a purging first. There's always a pruning there's always some sort of trimming, a spiritual circumcision, whatever you want to call it. But there's something that removes us from a sin to a thought in our lives and in our hearts. Pastor Paul reminds the church of Thessalonica, he says, Remember without ceasing your work of faith. So let me ask you a question. If you were right now to put on spot your work of faith, how it began in your Christian life, because that's what Paul is talking about. Get back to the beginning. Get back to when Christianity was real. Get back to when your relationship with God meant something. Get back when your relationship was hot, on fire. Get back when your love for Jesus Christ was shining through you. First principle, we need to move on. Work of faith. Now, I find that to be kind of a oxymoron kind of thing. How do you mean, how do you mean that, dear Pastor? What do you mean? How do you mean it? Well, Bible tells us, for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not a life. That's nothing to do with what we work on. It's nothing to do with how we work. That's nothing to do with what we've built. Incidentally, your salvation is not dependent on anything you do. Can I get an amen on that? In fact, you can work on that all you want to and find out you're going to come up short. Give you an example of it. It's like trying to jump out of an airplane. We have some soldiers here tonight. And you jump out of an airplane, and you might be talking to the jump master, and he might tell you, clap your arms as hard as you can. Well, I promise you, that's something you won't do. Your work toward your salvation will not help you one bit. It's not dependent upon you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. And he loves you so much, he came to his only begotten son. Paul says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Remember when your relationship with Jesus was something powerful. Are you one of those tonight that says, Pastor, my relationship with God has grown cold. My relationship with church has gotten hard. My relationship with my family is now bitter. You know what you need to do? You need to get back remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Thank you. Tell us how to do that. Paul tells us how to do that. Paul writes his letter. He says, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. Those three wonderful guys tell us how to get back to our work of faith. They tell us how to do that. So I want you to look at me in verse 9. And we get to look at how to put that first principle to work in our lives. Look here with me in verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Number one, the work of faith is to turn to God from 
idols. And incidentally, what idols do you have in your life today? What has come between you and God, come between you and your family, come between you and your relationship with God is nothing short of an idol. And you need to turn back to God. Paul says, remember it. Remember it. Sometimes we like to think of things as too important. Sometimes we like to think think of things as more important than God. You know, I've heard this as a pastor many times. Pastor, I'm too busy to be a church. Pastor, I'm too tired to come to church. Pastor, I'm too busy to read God's Word. Now, as a pastor, I like to give them options and opportunities. No, we don't just have Sunday morning church. We have Sunday night church as well. Originally, that's what Sunday night church was made for. Did you know that? It was made for those that had to work Sunday morning. They would come Sunday night. Now, we as Baptists, we became holier than thou, watch disciples on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We'd rather be there go like this. True. True. That's how it started. You saying, Pastor, we should stop Sunday night church? Absolutely not. I love the evening worship service. I love what it's about. I like the more laid back feeling, and I love to laugh at those little bitty things. It makes me laugh. It's smile on my face. But here the Apostle Paul says, get back to remembering your work of faith. And remembering your work of faith is when you turn from idols to the living God. In other words, turn back to when you made Jesus Christ your Savior. When you accepted Him as your Savior. Remember what it felt like. Can you remember that? Can you remember what it felt like? The first time you asked Him into your heart, into your life, and the weight was gone, the guilt was gone, the forgiveness came in, the love came down, the joy was there, the weight was off of your shoulders. I don't know about you, but when I accepted Him, out of a sudden, my sins became real, and I became broken. I began to see what I had done to Remember, Sometimes we get caught up in church life, church politics, church buildings. We try to make it a pet project. We try to make it some sort of idol. Turn from idols and turn back to the living This isn't a legacy to us. It's not a legacy for our life. He is life. He is Begin with me in verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of agreement we had unto you. How you turn to God, the idol, to serve the living and true God. As Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy walked into Thessalonica, they began preaching. And those that heard the word of God turned from their idols and became born again, blood bought, redeemed Christians. And Paul began preaching. And immediately, Jesus is coming back. No, you didn't see him the first time. No, you weren't there. You see how he makes our hearts tremble. You see how he gives us life and joy and love. You see how he fulfills us. Turn back. Turn back to that time when your relationship with God was the most important thing. The first principle we live by. Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. Remember without ceasing your work of faith. Remember the work you did. The only work you did was believing in Jesus Christ. The only work you ever did was accepting Him for who He is. And I want you to know something about who He is. Have you read this? He's not our co-pilot. He's not our best 
buddy. He's not our bosom buddy. He's not chum, pal, lifelong friend. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we need to get back to treating Him for what He is, who He is, and back to the time where He was everything to us. that you, Sam? Out there on the Internet, is that not you? You say, Pastor, I'm looking for that church home. Somebody contacted me last week and said, Pastor, I'm looking for a church that prays for rain. I was like, oh, what church are you going to? Because I think every church in Central Texas is praying for rain right now. Well, I guess everything is. He said, no, 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 I need a church that not only prays for rain, but starts carrying umbrellas. I was like, you can bring an umbrella here. You can take it. Not a one of us will say a word to you. He said, all of y'all aren't carrying umbrellas? Not yet. Not yet. Here's my point. Here was his point. His point was, we need to start living out in faith. My point was, what church are y'all to go to? He said, well, the next church came to you. And I was like, <laughs> get back to your first work. Get back to where your Christianity was real. Get back to where his voice was loud and clear. Get back to where your love for him was real. Get back to where Christ Paul, who gives us those L words. Labor of love! We learned at the school that Baptist preachers went to. We learned how to put those euphemisms together. We learned how to put those, those uh, colloquialisms together. A labor of love. Your leap of faith. Right? These things come from the Apostle Paul. He was the beginner of those things. And here he is saying, you should get back to your labor of love. And let me ask you a question. What does a Christian do in love? What does a Christian do did you know something? Love is supposed to dictate everything we do. Can somebody say amen tonight? Love is supposed to lead us. Love is supposed to guide us. Love is supposed to direct us. It's supposed to be our motive. We do things out of Christian love. Not out of worldly love. Christian love. Get back to your labor of love. Look at me again. We're in verse 3. Remembering without ceasing. Don't stop thinking on this. How your work of faith took you from worshiping idols to worship in the one true God who lives in heaven and sent His only begotten Son so you can have eternal life. And on top of that, get back to your labor of love. Labor of love. Once again, I'll ask you to jump ahead to verse 9. Paul tells us what that work of faith is. And I believe God, Paul tells us, God, I believe Dr. Paul tells us what the labor of love is. Look at me in verse 9. The labor shall show of us what manner of entering in we had to you how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and await for the Son in heaven. So, we're still in verse 9. Looking at you, turn from idols to the living God to serve the living and true God. Serve the living and true God. Let me say it a third time. Serve the living Serving Him. Christianity is not church on Sunday morning, church on Wednesday night. It's not a prayer meeting and a fellowship hall. And every now and then we sing a song and we read a scripture and we tell people we're faithful. That's not Christianity. Christianity is loving a Savior. It is 
serving a Savior, and it is leading the lost to that serving, loving Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. Look again with me in verse 9. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The labor of love to serve the living and true God. How do you serve God Jesus? How have you been serving Him? Paul tells the church in Thessalonica to get up all the year we're in and get back to work. You should be serving. There's work to be done. There's people to be reached. There's souls to be saved. There is lost people that have not heard the gospel. One young preacher many years ago said to me, I don't remember his name, he was a really young man. He stood up in a small crowd of young said, somewhere on this earth, somewhere on this earth, there is a flag that's not dedicated to Jesus. There's a kingdom that does not belong to Him. There's a heart that has not opened unto Him. There's a soul that has not surrendered to Him. And it calls out to me at nighttime. It calls out to me in my bed. And He said, I must get on with my labor of love, serving my Savior by bringing the gospel to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Paul says, verse 3, remember it. Remember it. Not just remember it, but remember it without ceasing. Your labor of love. What have you been doing? Why do we stop? Somebody would lose me. Don't forget your labor of love. Don't ever stop thinking on 
oh, I know the world's going to abuse you, misuse you. The world's going to wound you. The world is going to insult you. Why do you keep doing it, Christian? Because of power, labor, and money. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Let not one soul, let not one make it into hell unprayed for, uncried for, unbegged for. He said, Let not one fall over the precipice without falling through our arms in our tears with our begging, pleading, our crying, saying, Please come and save us. Why? Because it's our labor of love. Paul tells us in verse 9 Turn from the idols and serve the living God. What do you think serving God is? Do you think serving God is putting on some music or writing on the rope? Do you think serving God is having a daily devotion? That's what most of us do. Hey, I'm serving God. Oh, you. Serving God is loving and intense. Remembering that you want to have an amazing something possible. Take a look at yourself right now. Look at how it's changed. You lay fashion into the warrior to all of you. That's what I'm looking at myself as a warrior. Let me tell you, the Bible is full of admonitions to warriors. Paul says to young Timothy, Be a good soldier of Jesus Paul says, We're an army, an army of God. And let me tell you, we're in a warfare. We're in a warfare. And as Christians, Weapons. Jesus said, "Pass the word of God." And we'll sit here. So, what does the word of God tell us to do? Love. Love is holding. Step down. The president of Baptist Seminary he had a very, very good conversation. Some of us might be thinking, "You started talking theology." You know, he talked about what happened before I got there. Church in Africa went to visit a bunch of Muslims in Africa. As they got there, they realized they had no food, they had no money, they had nothing to brand new people. They had nothing. So the other church that was inside of that Muslim country said, What are you going to offer them? The church said, We'll love them. We'll love them. We will love them. Love like that, and not one lost person to be found. I can think of times in my life where I was supposed to speak to someone, and I knew it, and I walked away. I completely avoided that person. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have to say amen. I'm not preaching to anybody here but Christians tonight. And you knew you were supposed to share the gospel with them, not tonight, not right now. You need to remember that. Let not one perish without our prayer, without our love, without our witness, without our testimony. Get back to your labor of love. The Paul says, the third point, still in verse 3 again, 
you what to think, you're labeled love, patience and hope. And our Lord Jesus Christ. Patience and hope. Now, we did talk just a little bit the other night, the difference between hope and faith. But I think that we've learned a little bit. I know that I am still learning the difference between hope and faith. What is hope? That's different from faith. What is faith? Well, it's different from hope. I'm not that much. I'm not saying Faith. Faith. Everything seems unseen. Believing what God said, no matter what the world says. What is hope? The hope is a little bit different than faith. Even though they're connected, how many of you look at the difference? Faith, as we already know, is believing what God said. That God would do what God said He would do, no matter what happened. You know what hope is? Hope is hoping that it will happen right now. Somebody say amen. Hope is saying, I know Jesus is coming back, but I want Him to come back right now. That's hope. That's hope. We have that blessed hope as a Christian. You've got the right to hope Jesus Christ returns right now. And you've been in one of those situations where they ask your opinion. And you start praying, rescue right now. Right now. <laughs> that, that, that's what Dr. Paul says, don't forget. Remember without ceasing the hope. Hope. And our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10 tells us what that hope is. And the wait for his son in heaven. Wait for a son from heaven. You've got much of your description. You've got a job to do. You've got an assignment. You've got a standard operating procedure that has the testament of our salvation signature on it that says this is what you should be doing. There's no excuses. If you don't know what it is, if you say no one told me what it is, it's right there in front of you. It's written in black and white, and in some cases red and white, and it's right there for you. To read, to look upon. Here's where you start. Remember without ceasing. Never, ever, ever forget your work of faith. Never forget what it meant when Jesus Christ saved you. Don't forget how it felt when you became sin free. Don't forget how it felt to know you were redeemed and blood bought and born again. And make sure you bring that out to the rest of the people in the world. It's the labor of love. Some people in the church say, Pastor, I don't really have much of a testimony. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a drug user. I'm not a tobacco user. I'm not a gambler. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a liar. Let me tell you something. You have the best testimony I've ever heard. You have the best one. You say, what do you mean? I can't get up there and say, look at the sob story that I was. You should get up there and say, look what God saved me from. God saved me from a broken heart. God saved me from being led astray. God saved me because I became a Christian at a young age. I think that's the most powerful testimony there ever was. People ask me about that all the time. Where have you heard a testimony like that from my sweet and wonderful wife? In fact, she wanted to share that with you. I didn't have to go through this thing. I trusted Jesus. I still trust Jesus. And now I have no regrets. Everybody ever met who did those things? They're sorry. They never did. I am grateful. Paul says, 
remembering without ceasing the patience and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in verse 10, tells us how to do it. Wait for His Son from heaven. Patience and hope is to wait for His Son from heaven. You've got that job to do of sharing the gospel. Not only that, you've got a time limit. Wait for His Son from heaven. He raised from the dead. Even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath of come. Have you stopped to think about that? What do I need to speculate that? Well, excuse me, what do I need to, to, to describe that to? Why do I need to add that in there when he raised from the dead? You know why? Because people, even at this time, are beginning to say, there's Jesus. Well, there's Jesus. Oh, there was Jesus. Oh, there he was. No, no, no. You have one Jesus. And let me make it absolutely positively clear for you what Jesus was talking about. The Jesus that God raised from the dead. Amen. No if and but for not. Just him. Not another one. Not some prophet from Islam. Not some false prophet from the Mormon church or some weird angel from uh, the Mormon church or from some weird particular song. Not to go with Jesus. One Jesus. One God raised from the dead. Even Jesus. And I love how the Apostle Paul ended this because the church was afraid. They were afraid they missed it. They were afraid things were going to happen. I like to think of them as boarding up the windows and busting out the guns. Kind of like the video we saw. Perhaps they were Baptists and they were like, we got uh, 38. It's the amazing grace of our final. Perhaps they're out there saying, superior theology requires a superior firearm. I personally would have to agree with them. 45 is a great thing. With that being said, though, Apostle Paul had something that Something that should be added to you. Something that can put hope in you. You can put hope in this. Incidentally, we've been told to remember our hope. Remember it. Remember without ceasing. This is the most impossible thing. Look at me in verse 10. Which delivered us from the wrath to come. <laughs> Hallelujah. He will deliver us. What is that word again? Perfect future. Not just had, but it's already done. It's something he's already completed that hasn't taken place yet. Already done that. You ever called somebody just done? It's already done. Consider it done. No, no, no. Jesus said, don't just consider it done. It is done. I've delivered you, if you're a Christian, from the wrath to come. wondered how many people would be upset when I said, hey, don't be believers in green men. Believe in Jesus Christ. They're going to tell you there's aliens out there, but there's not aliens, there's demons. There's principalities and spirits in there. Some people say amen, but some people are going to corner and say, I believe in aliens, Pastor. I'd be like, I don't. I don't believe in a lot of monsters. I don't believe in Bigfoot. 
everybody was asking Pastor to do the big foot. Nope. He said, why not? We got foot prints. I said, but we don't have any bones. Surely one is dead by now. He ain't got a single big foot bone yet. Well, he, he, maybe he asked Jesus to decide between the mortal and me. Or perhaps he's like a fat cell in a plastic, you know, they can stay there forever. However, however, More and more, the sun beats down on this earth. More and more encouraged. The more and more men's hearts fail from fear. The more and more encouraged. More and more, the world seems to fall apart. More and more encouraged to be the things that actually find in the flesh. Remember what the apostle Paul said. He said, "Remember without ceasing your work of faith." Do a little bit of that. Come back. Remember your labor of love. Get back to work. You got things to do. You can see. You can see places to be. Be patient to hope, my Lord Jesus Christ. You got to know it's coming and it's coming soon. So, that's the good job. That doesn't quite settle it for me. I want something more. Nothing more tangible. So, it gives you now that such a question. Do you believe in the Bible thing? Do you believe in the Bible? Can I ask you a question? Can I communicate with you? Can you help me in the Bible? Let's say, Pastor, I need to join the church. Whatever case may be, you can come. That's the most job thing. We're going to open up the altar. Whatever it is, we're going to ask God to bless you. Ask God to take the time. We're going to ask the Lord to bring the Lord to come forward. If you focus on Christ, if you come and teach me, let's pray together. Father, we come to you now, Jesus name. Oh, how we thank you for your word. It is indeed quick and it's sharp and it's powerful, Lord. Something we need to I pray right now, Lord, that you touch into our hearts. Perhaps, Lord, we have forgotten how wonderful that relationship was with you, and we return to you. The point, Lord, will we rejoice in hearing you in your voice, in seeing you in your word. Perhaps, Lord God, that Many of us stop serving you and get back, Lord, on the job. Lord, that's the sun's up. 